Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today on Be Brave at Work. Bob Teedy has been on the staff of a global organization called Crew, which was formerly known as the Campus Crusade for Christ, for 51 years. For the past 18 years, he has served on the U.S. Leadership Development Team, which is helping to develop the next generation of leaders for Crew. His blog, leadingwithquestions.com, just celebrated its 10-year anniversary and is followed by leaders in over 190 countries. Bob is also the author of five very popular books, including Great Leaders Ask Questions, Now That's a Great Question, 339 Questions Jesus Asked, and the little book of Big Leading with Questions quotes, all of which are available on his blog as free ebooks and audiobooks in multiple languages. So we are so excited to have you join us on our podcast today, Bob. Welcome. Ed, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. So I gave our listeners a brief background on how you have been connecting in the marketplace, and I think we'd love to hear from you a little bit more about what you have been doing and how you are actively connecting with people out there in the business world. Well, Ed, delighted to share. Um, I've been, I launched the blog 10 years ago, and that has just blossomed my network literally around the world. Uh, you know, as you shared, leaders in 190 countries. I, I, I don't know leaders in 190 countries, but leaders in 190 countries are following my blog. And, and I think, well, Ed, many times when I'm speaking, I start with a confession. And, and I, in that confession, I share that for most of my career, I was a benevolent dictator, not out of evil intent, but my only paradigm was that I thought a leader needed to give direction. A leader needed to tell the staff what to do. Now, I did say benevolent. I grew up in a home where I was taught to say please and thank you. So, so Ed, if you'd been on my team, I probably would have never said, Ed, go do this. It would have been more like, hey, Ed, you know, this week we're working on such and such. And it'd really be great if you could please do this. <laughs> and, and Ed, when you did it, I would have said thank you or to a staff meeting, Ed, stand up. You all need to hear what Ed did this week or this month, whatever the project was. And I don't want to suggest that was like a total loss. But again, it was my only paradigm. 
But in 2006, I discovered a new book. Ed, maybe like you, I, I, I eat books for breakfast. <laughs> I do. And lunch. Yes. And at any rate, I discovered a book called Leading with Questions by Dr. Michael Marquardt. And when I read that book, it was a page turner for me. It was filled with stories literally from around the globe of leaders who were leading with questions. And it shared the questions that they were using. And, uh, oh, Ed, I see yours. This is the original one I had all marked up. I'm holding a copy of the book up. Our podcast, of course, is audio only. But, but uh, both, both Bob and I have a copy of this great book, Leading with Questions. When I read it, my only question was, why hasn't anyone shared this paradigm with me before? <laughs> and uh, I immediately embraced it. And sometimes I, I share with audiences that I'm a charter member, though, of TA. And they say, TA, I don't think I'm familiar with TA. I say, well, maybe you've heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, TA is Tellers Anonymous. We go to our meetings and I stand up and say, my name is Bob. I'm a teller. And of course, that's fictitious. But uh, Ed, I usually start with these confessions because people could think a guy who's written books now on leading with questions, that must come naturally to Bob. And I share, no, no, no. What comes naturally is telling. You might even pick that up today. But I made a move to embrace leading with questions because I instantly saw it would be more effective. Well, part of the reason you may be a member of Tellers Anonymous is because culturally, we have been raised in junior high and high school and college, always uh, expected to have the answer, right? The teacher would come into the classroom and say, who did this or where is this? And uh, people were expected to know. And so we've been almost trained to always tell people the answer or be expected to have the answer. And of course, we see this with leaders oftentimes that they never rarely say, I don't know, or, gee, that's a great question. Let me get back to you. They will song and dance and <laughs> navigate their way around an answer. And you're sitting back saying he's making that up or she doesn't know what she's saying. But they love this need and belief that they need to tell. And yet we know that it's more powerful for a leader to say, hey, that's a fantastic question. I haven't thought about that lately. Let me think about it a little bit more and I'll talk with you tomorrow. Ed, I, I even go another step and, and I share, you know, if you're a leader who thinks you need to have all the answers, that is a heavy burden. But if you'll just kind of think through a couple questions and Ed, I just add to what you say, you get a question you never heard before from a staff member. You know, I not only say, wow, Joe, that is fantastic. I don't know the answer to that. What, what do you think the answer might be? Right. Sometimes they have an answer. Other times they say, well, that's why I came to you. Well, Joe, again, I don't have the answer. Where do you think we could go to get the answer? Who might know? Or where could we go? And usually they'll make a suggestion. And I say, Joe, would you have time to go do that research and bring back the answer for both of us? Well, sure. And uh, at any rate, if you have kind of that process down, well, suddenly that burden of having to have all the answers just rolls off. You just need a few questions to respond when you don't have the answer. I've always hoped and wished to see a company with core values or vision statements. And the first one would be the president of the company does not have all the answers. Right? Because ah. we, <laughs> we also believe culturally that the higher you are in the hierarchy, the more you know. 
And in reality, some leaders might be great salespeople, they might be great marketers, they might be great leaders of people, but they don't know everything about finance or real estate or law. And it's okay to say, hey, I haven't spent a lot of time in that area. What do you think we should do? Or let's go talk to Bob and see what he thinks. Unfortunately, because of our culture, we just expect leaders to always have the answer. And you and I both know that they don't. So curiosity, Bob, is a huge uh, factor in the Be Brave at Work model, which is being curious with others about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I'd love to hear from you for a couple of minutes about what it is about curiosity, what it is about asking questions that you think is so important. And this is for our listeners who think they have to go in and tell the boss, hey, you're not doing something right and this is how you should do it. When in fact, they should go in being more curious about why they're doing it the way that they're doing it so they can learn a little bit before they even think about suggesting some solutions. Well, Ed, you're, you're really on to something. Uh, being curious opens up so many doors. And first, as a leader, again, staff know that you don't have all the answers. You know, you shared earlier, and I, this was certainly me at one time, get asked a question I didn't know the answer, I'd make up an answer on the spot. Yeah, we've all seen that. We have all seen that. <laughs> My staff were kind, but I think a whole bunch of them were thinking. <laughs> I bet Bob, Bob didn't know that. I think he just made it up. But, you know, when you turn it around, in fact, um, Henry David Thoreau once said that the greatest compliment ever paid him was when one asked him what he thought and then attended to his answer. And when we turn around and ask staff, hey, what do you think we might do? Or they bring a problem. Wow. What do you think the solution might be? We actually, without words, just by the action of asking, we're communicating to them that we value them that we think they have something to offer. And just the act of doing that makes them feel, wow, my boss thinks I've got a brain. And, uh, and then in hearing from them, uh, you get input and ideas. I mean, the leader leads with questions is going to inevitably hear ideas they hadn't thought of. Now, they're still the leader, Ed. If in hearing those ideas, they think, mm, I don't think any of those are really good, they can still go with their idea. But often we hear ideas and think, wow, George, Sarah, that's a fantastic idea. And, and we hadn't thought of it. You know, Ed, another just kind of silly question I ask people, but it sets up the next question. But I ask this silly question. If you're in a rowboat with your whole team, let's say you have a team of eight and you make nine and it's a big rowboat and there's oars for everyone and you want to get that boat across the lake as quick as possible, how many of them would you like to have row with you? Well, of course, everyone. I say, yes, it's a silly question, but now I want you to imagine you're gathered that team around your conference table and you're trying to figure out the best way to take an opportunity across the lake as quick as possible. If you're a leader who thinks your job is to tell them what to do, how many mental oars are there in the water around that table? Great question. Only one, the, the boss. But the leader leads with questions and says, gang, what do you think we might do? Ah, now here's the possibility of having nine mental oars in the water. And of course, we've heard this, you know, people will support that which they help to create. And so as they get to be a part of this and you come up with a collaborative answer, it's like they own it. 
And uh, when it, you know, the next step is executing. Well, people will execute decisions they own much better than uh, he's the boss. He writes the paycheck, but I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) Well, that is so hard for people to say in most work environments. And you're touching on something, Bob, I want to chat about briefly, which is, I believe in most cases, people avoid questions because they think the question they are expected to ask is technical. And yet I believe that great questions are simple. And it could be something as easy as, why do you think that, right? I mean, how simpler can you get as a question? So somebody comes in and says, hey, Ed, I just wanted to speak with you candidly. I'm not sure what we're doing is the right direction. A boss doesn't have to start telling them why it is the right direction. The boss could just simply say, Ed, why do you think that? And engage in a conversation. Absolutely. In fact, Ed, one of my favorite questions, what you mentioned earlier, some of the best questions are so simple. I mean, just the question of what do you think is so simple. And uh, another one that's, that's just, again, so simple is, can you tell me more or please say more? Uh that person you just mentioned comes in with a complaint. Hey, I think we're going the wrong direction here. Joe, please tell me more. And uh, and and you let Joe speak further. And, and a lot of times I will also use uh, after, what do you think? Or please tell me more. I'll say, hey, say more. What, what else? And what else? And I, I find that that it, many times it's the third and fourth question that actually gets to their gold nugget, their very best thought. Uh, a lot of times people, when we ask them a question, the first answer, they roll out kind of a safe answer just to test the waters. And uh, and I realized when I began to understand this that so often I would ask, what do you think? But when I got that initial answer, I just moved on instead of, hey, say more about that. And uh, I was kind of like that proverbial gold miner who mined all his life, got within six inches of the gold vein and quit. Somebody comes along later and discovers he was within six inches. Well, it's those second and third questions. You got to dig a little deeper that get to their the gold vein, their, their gold nugget. When we think about curiosity in the workplace, and again, specifically, as we think about it toward bravery, one of the ways we're asking our listeners to think about being brave. And so being brave is saying something or doing something that is hard to do. So we recognize that this is not an easy conversation or might be asking the boss to think about things in new ways is to not go in, and this is one of the reasons I love speaking with you, Bob, not go in in a telling, I have the answer mentality, but to go in curious and helpful, right? I'd love to understand more about what you're thinking, Bob, so I can help you understand how others are perceiving the direction that we're going in, for example. Uh, But it needs to be one of helpfulness, respectfully, of course, but helpfulness and curiosity So your boss can talk a little bit more about why they decided what they decided or why they're behaving the way that they're behaving versus telling, right? Because again, we've been raised to be tellers and we've got to kind of break that model in order to really, really be helpful in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ed, what you shared reminded me something that that I've done for years with anybody that I report to is, um, first of all, I do believe in taking initiative to communicate. But if I reported to you, Ed, I I would come and say, Ed, do you have a few minutes? Want to make sure you have time. Ed, can I express a concern or an idea? And uh, they, of course, say, sure, Bob. 
And I say, now, before I do, I want to say two things. First of all, you're the boss. And whatever you decide at the end of this, I'm going to commit to helping with. So in other words, this is not about you and I arm wrestling on who's in control here. Second thing is, you might know one more thing than I know because of your position that actually would change my paradigm here. But with that said, can I share my concern or my thing? And I find then I get a full hearing. And when I'm done, I say, so what do you think, Ed? And and Ed may say, Bob, that's incredible. Love it. Ed may say, Bob, I do know one more thing here. And gosh, I'm curious to know what that one thing is, because I realize I don't have all the perspective or answers either. I had a thought. Right, right. And, you know, I love the model that you're sharing. And so just to repeat it for our listeners, because I think this is so important. And even beyond the bigger model we're talking about, which is curiosity versus telling, is first to always ask for permission. And this is something we don't always do because we're so caught up in what we want to say. We don't really think about how it's perceived or even if it's a good time for that person. They might say, hey, I'd love to listen, Bob, but I've got a meeting in five minutes. So if we can schedule it later today or, hey, I just got some really bad news and I just don't think I could hear anything else. Can we do it tomorrow? But you have to ask for permission and then also set context, right? You're the boss. I'll fully commit to whatever it is that we agree to. You might know, right? So this is now creating context for the boss to say, great, I understand now that I've said it's okay to talk. And I understand now that you recognize that I am the boss and ultimately what I say goes, let's now talk, right? And that is so much easier to do, even though we never do that or don't do it enough than just going in and hitting the boss across the head with a two by four, because you think you've got the right answer. Exactly. You know, earlier you talked about some of the greatest questions are so simple. There, there's a story, a true story. Uh, Captain Michael D. Abershoff, when he took over the command, he's a Navy commander, took over the command of the USS Benfold, one of our nation's most modern warships. Morale on that ship, however, the Navy measures morale was the lowest of some 300 vessels in the U.S. Navy. 18 months later, morale on his ship was the highest in the U.S. Navy. And the first thing he did upon taking command was he had 300 15-minute meetings with 300 sailors on that ship. And he asked them three questions. And and uh, everyone listening is going to love these because you'll have them memorized upon hearing them one time. They're so simple. I'm going to write them down. He asked, what do you like best about this ship? Second, what do you like least? Third, what would you change if you could? Ed, at, at the end of the first day, he might have only met with 10 or 15 sailors. He had a whole lot of these interviews left to do, but there was a buzz on the ship. The new captain's different. He actually wants to know what we think. And then, again, Captain Abershoff, being the wise man leader that he was, when he began to announce changes, guess who he gave credit to for the ideas? The sailors. Right. I'm sure many of the ideas he could have thought of, well, of course we're going to do that. Yeah, of course I would have done that. But rather than taking credit himself, he gave credit to the sailors. He did some other things. But when you just hear that, you say, well, no wonder morale on that ship went up. And I believe, I don't know the exact particulars, but it was the lowest ranked ship in the Navy or whatever the context was. And it ended up being the number one morale, right? I mean, it went all the way to the top. And it started with something as simple as, 
just talking with everyone, which is hard to do, but he did it, and asking what they thought, right? That was such a great place to start. Bob, it has been wonderful talking with you today. Your books, uh, if you could tell folks how to access the five books that you've written, that would be great, as well as how people can get in touch with you if they'd like to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing. Fantastic. Well, the blog, again, Ed, is leadingwithquestions.com. Just run those three words together, leadingwithquestions.com. Once you get there, there's an icon on the top that says books. If you click on that, you'll then be able to access all five of the books. And again, everything I do on social media is free. I'd, I'd encourage listeners to subscribe to my blog, join a a legion of leaders who are committed to increasing their effectiveness. And uh, subscribing is free. You go to leadingwithquestions.com on the lower right, a place to enter your email. And every Monday and Thursday, you will receive what I call turnkey ready questions, questions you can use to ask the boss, colleagues, staff, friends, family, clients, prospects, and uh, and then downloading the eBooks and and. Again, everything I do on social media is free. There's not a catch like get the ebook and then I'm going to try to sell you something. No, uh, you find any of that, uh, let me know, but it's not in there. And and again, there's places right on the blog where you can click to send me a message and connect with me. So kind of one-stop place to find me, leadingwithquestions.com. Well, I love it. So to our listeners, once again, you can go to leadingwithquestions.com, which is free to join. And there is a link to Bob's five books about questions, which are free to get. So a fantastic opportunity to build your skill set around this critical leadership skill, which is curiosity. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. Ed, it's been my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.